Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over half a million times in over 145 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. In today's episode, episode 215, we talk about Nordic walking. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. I first came across Nordic walking around the time that it started in my hometown city of Canberra around about seven years ago and must admit the only thing I could think of was what the hell is that? This was the same reaction that I had when I first came across tracking poles being used around about 15 years ago. Uh, And being an avid hiker, I saw the similarities, but I also saw the differences. When one of our followers suggested we look further into Nordic walking, I decided it was time to touch base with the Canberra Nordic walking community to find out more. In today's episode, we talk with Kristen Pratt, the owner and lead instructor of Capital Nordic Walking, to find out what's involved. We hope you enjoy. I'd like to welcome Kristen Pratt from Capital Nordic Walking to the Australian Hiker Podcast. Kristen, thank you for taking your time to talk with us. Thanks, Tim. It's a, it's a real honour and a pleasure to chat with you. I Look, I always jump at the opportunity to talk about how amazing Nordic Walking is because it, it's such a misunderstood activity and there's so much to know. Yeah. All right. Now, before we talk about Nordic Walking itself, give us a brief introduction to yourself and uh, and what you do. Yep. Well, I trained a long, long time ago as an occupational therapist. And so I've been involved in sort of health and fitness and disability and rehabilitation throughout my career, really helping people to stay active and and to overcome physical constraints, to be able to keep doing all the things that they love doing. On On the personal side, I've always been a sporty person. So I've played many sports. And in the past, I was a big runner. And I absolutely love doing anything outdoors in nature, in the bush. That's my passion. Okay. And do you do any, apart from doing Nordic walking, do you do any hiking or other walking at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you guys call hiking. In fact, we we actually um, Nordic walk when we do most hikes. So, you know, I'm always off somewhere doing doing hikes around the place. Some of my favourites, I've done the Larapinta Trail. I love the new Three Capes in Tassies, did the Queen Charlotte a couple of years back. And we're actually planning to do the Abel Tasman Trail later this year. So we, when we're doing what you call hikes, we mostly Nordic walk our hikes unless they're really technical. So if there's a lot of rock hopping or scrambling or or really narrow trails or bush bashing, then in those conditions we use a sort of hybrid pole with a grip that's much more similar to a hiking pole. 
I was gonna I was gonna ask you how you cope with Nordic walking on the Larapinta Trail. You get away with it in some sections, but as you say, there's some other sections that are pretty rocky and rough. So that'd be an interesting one to cope with. Yeah, that's right. That's when we use these hybrid poles. How did you become involved with Nordic walking? So I used to be a runner, a competitive runner, a reasonable one in my younger years, And um, but I've had many injuries over that time. I've had multiple um, ankle strains and fractures from rolling them on cross-country runs and, unfortunately, a couple of major back injuries, a lumbar disc prolapse and a neck injury from a car accident. So running isn't so good for my body. And I was wor- working in um, Geneva with the World Health Organisation um, and I looked out the window and I have to I have to admit I burst out laughing. I saw these people looking like they were cross country skiing on the grass but without the snow. So I was sort of asking colleagues around the floor what what this was about. What is this? Why are they doing that? And the more I found out about it, the more interested I became in the benefits and and to be honest, I found it pretty hard to believe the benefits that they claimed you get from Nordic walking. So because I like to understand things and do them really well, I, I signed up to do a Nordic Walking Instructors course with Nordic Walking UK and this was back in what, 2011, 2012 and at that stage in the UK, they it was huge. They had about 5,000 instructors and groups everywhere and once I mastered the technique, I have to admit, I was really amazed that I could actually get a way better workout than I ever did from running and with a lot less strain on my body. And I could still go really fast. So that was important. And before I knew it, friends and colleagues were wanting to learn how to do it. So I was quickly, I was teaching them and and just really recognising that it offered so many benefits to so many people from sort of the ultra fit through to people with pretty serious health in health conditions and injuries and things like that. Okay, now that leads us into the next obvious question. What actually is Nordic walking? Yeah, so um, it looks like cross-country skiing but without the snow. And basically what you're doing is you're walking on all fours but standing up. So what happens with Nordic walking is the poles become extensions of your arms And they enable you, the way you use them, enables you to harness the massive power of the muscles in your upper body, so your arms, your shoulders, your back, your core, to propel you along, along with your legs. Yeah, so it's amazing like that. How did it come about? I believe I believe it was originally designed to to keep cross country skiers fit in wintertime. Is that is that the the origin of it? That is exactly right. So really, it's been probably over 100 years, that the Nordic and Scandinavian countries, where they do a lot of country cross-country skiing, they do it as a, a sort of um, a summer season activity to stay fit for the cross-country skiing season. And all that they were doing was shortening their stocks, their cross-country stocks, and doing the same action on the grass or the mountain trails or wherever they like to walk. You know, you, you talked a bit about the the, the, the sort of a turning the poles into an extension of uh, your body. Uh, and I, and I, I, I'll, I'll talk to you a bit about the difference between this and hiking a bit later on. Uh, but can you describe as best as you can as a, in, a, in an, aud- an audio way what it actually is you're doing when you are Nordic walking? So what, what you're doing, look, to be honest, 
you know, I've been doing it for about 10 years now and I, I just can't believe what a powerful activity is. I, you know, we describe it as a superpower. It's a low-impact total body activity. Um, what happens is you end up using over 90% of your skeletal muscles. So the poles, are uh, they're on an angle behind your body um, and you're applying pressure through an ergonomically designed wrist strap to activate your upper body muscles to propel you along. So you're really using a whole lot of your upper body muscles to push you along. So while you're Nordic walking, you're toning and strengthening your upper arms, your shoulders, your back, your core, and getting this amazing posture. You're also unloading um, a huge amount of strain on your from your feet, your ankles, your knees, your hips, your lower back. And and, and again, you know, we we talked about it being a potential uh, summertime ski training. But do people do Nordic walking who don't ski? Is that is that become popular in Europe uh, and for that matter, Australia? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's a really. Um, I mean, in in Europe. Just to give you an idea, the the estimates are about 20% of the population in Scandinavian Nordic countries, Nordic walk when there's no snow around, and it's getting bigger and bigger in, in Europe and it's slowly growing in Australia to become a much more just popular fitness activity for everyone, non-skiers, um, because basically you get a way better bang for your buck with way less strain on your joints. So yeah, it's it's interesting actually because um, the UK um, public de- health department, like our Commonwealth Department of Health, now lists Nordic walking and promotes it as one of the most effective activities for everyone. So you know, for people who love to be outside um, walking or for runners with dodgy knees, they're going to get a way better fitness outcome from Nordic walking than they would from walking or jogging or running. And then at the other end of the spectrum, and my background's occupational therapy, so this is a very interesting group for me, for people who have got painful joints, who have balance challenges, so people with Parkinson's, people with MS, older people who are just, you know, losing a bit of strength and and, and a bit of um, balance, all of a sudden they're getting the stability that the poles provide so they can move a lot more confidently, a lot more easily. They can go further with less pain and maintain their fitness and and activity. It's such a powerful activity for so many people. Okay, so... Continuing on on that theme, you know, we're talking a bit about the the benefits of Nordic walking, and you've done that a bit already. But how would you compare it in in relation to standard walking, or for that matter, running? And what sort of the impact on stability and mobility does it have? So Nordic walking is so much more effective than regular walking without Nordic walking poles, more effective than jogging, than running or cycling. And this is proven. There's a load of research that proves and explains why this is so. Basically because when you're walking, when you're running, when you're cycling, you're pretty much only using your leg muscles actively to propel you along. When you're Nordic walking correctly, you're harnessing all of the muscles in your upper body. So you end up using over 90% of your skeletal muscles to propel you along. And because of that, you get a whole range of extra benefits. You've doubled the number of muscles you're using to move along. That makes it way more easier to get a cardio workout. So you can actually go 
although some of us like to go fast, you don't have to go fast when you're Nordic walking to get a really good workout. You can easily engage all of those muscles and get your heart rate up to a nice fitness workout. And obviously, when you're, when you're using those muscles, you're using them against resistance. Your body weight becomes a resistance. So while you're working, you're actively toning and strengthening your arms, your shoulders, your back, your core muscles while you're working. Whereas if you're working normally or running or cycling, those muscles aren't doing much. They're pretty much just hanging around. Nordic walking also is really powerful in promoting a really healthy, natural, upright posture. These days, you know, most of us are doing too much sitting, way too much sitting. And when we're sitting, we've got our arms forward. They're either on the computer or they're on the book or they're on the steering wheel. When you're Nordic walking, you really you get a full extension of your arm behind your, your, your back. So you're engaging your upper back postural muscles, which really opens up your chest and contributes to that lovely, beautiful, neutral, natural postural. And that recalibrates your posture and, and it translates into everyday working, walking. And for those of us with dodgy backs and necks, it is awesome for managing neck and back pain. What it does, when you push through the poles, you're, you're lengthening your spine. It actually elongates your spine, so it takes pressure off the discs. You're strengthening your core, and obviously having a really good core helps with back pain and neck pain. And that lovely huge arm swing, which looks a bit like marching, actually mobilises your back. You get this natural mobilisation of your back that brings synovial fluid into the joints and keeps them nice and flexible and mobile. So it's great for that sort of thing. Um, and for those of us who need to manage our weight, and given Australia's probably getting to be one of the, you know, most unfortunately one of the most obese um, um, countries in the world, it's terrific for weight management. You've got less strain on your joints. You're burning nearly 40% more calories of regular walking. And then for those people with balance and stability, it, it's just a game changer for them. They feel confident. They can stride out. They feel safe. So is it like most exercises, the the you know the the more effort you put into it, the uh, the better it's going to be from a from a, a a workout perspective, or are you getting just as much benefit from doing a in a in a relaxed, you know, more lightweight mode? So yeah, it's interesting. When we teach people, we can te we teach them what we call three levers to control the intensity of their workout. How much pressure you apply through that ergonomic wrist strap is like choosing what weight you'd pick up at the gym. So the more pressure you put on that wrist strap, the more of your body weight you're carrying through your upper body. So you're activating and engaging those upper body muscles a lot more. We also teach people that really increased rear arm extension. So most people when they're walking don't swing their arms very much. With Nordic walking, we're trying to get that rear arm extension going. So you're engaging those upper back muscles. And the other thing we do, our third lever, is what we call waking up your lazy bumps because most people don't use their glute muscles when they're walking um, because we sit for too long so we get tight in our hip flexors and our glute muscles get lazy. If we can retrain and reactivate our glute muscles, that's going to keep our hips 
hips healthy and strong. And that's actually your, um, if you like, your accelerator for how you go faster in Nordic walking. So you could use those three levers to get what you want out of your Nordic walk. So, for instance, if I only have 15, 20 minutes in the, in the morning to get my workout done, I'm going to engage all those levers, get my heart rate up to my high-intensity level, so getting like 160 beats, heart rate beats per minute, and get my high-intensity workout. But if I'm doing the Lara Pinta Trail, I don't want my heart rate up that, that high and I don't want to be working that hard. So I'm going to tone those things down and use my Nordic walking technique for what I want to get out of Lara Pinta. And what I want to get out of that is the stability and I want to unload my joints a bit because I've got a long day ahead of me with a bit of a pack on my back. So you can tweak it and use it for whatever you want to get out of your workout. Okay, so what equipment do you need to do for Nordic walking? Yeah, good, really good question. And this is one we, we hear a lot of confusion about. We actually often get people turning up to our courses with hiking poles. And I guess that's the key thing. Nordic walking and hiking poles are quite different. The design is different and the technique's different. Um, the main difference is to do with the handle and the strap. With hiking pole, you know you've got a, a moulded handle that you're going to get a really good grip on and that's going to keep you safe when you've got, you know, unstable ground and rocks and, you know, you're stabilising yourself going down a steep, slippery slope. You've got a wrist strap that is primarily designed to avoid you losing your poles down the mountain if you let go of them for a moment. So Nordic walking, with Nordic walking, we don't, when we're doing it for fitness, we don't actually hold the pole. We don't actually pick it up and place it down. The ergonomic wrist strap on a Nordic walking pole is designed in a way that we just really need to swing our arms in the correct technique. The pole comes through and lands exactly where we need it to. And then the ergonomic wrist straps are designed in a way that we can connect with the outside edge of our hand, which then connects with our triceps, the muscles at the top of arm and your lat muscles to push you along so a nordic walking pole doesn't have a, a grip like a hiking pole it has a very slim narrow handle yeah with nordic walking the poles stay on a diagonal behind the body like cross-country skiing okay now probably one of the things that that, that most strikes me, strikes me with the nordic walking poles is the the little rubber foot tends to be very different than what you normally see on hiking poles as well yeah, good observation. So with hiking poles, you tend to hold them vertically upright in front of your body, mainly for stability and also to give you that great advantage to pulling yourself up up mountains, up steep paths and stability going down. So that little rubber end on a hiking pole is really just a, a, a soft rubber end. It's rounded. Because Nordic walking poles stay on the diagonal behind you, what we call, we actually call it a paw, P-A-W, because we talk about teaching you to walk on all fours, your two feet and your two paws. And, yes, it is sort of like a little foot and it faces backwards to your feet because the pole is on a diagonal, so you want that rubber to land on the diagonal so it's going to hold firmly on the ground and you can push off and propel from it. Okay. Now, what about things like footwear? Is, do, you, you know, do you need special footwear at all or pretty much anything that's comfortable will do? 
So it depends what sort of Nordic walking you're doing. If you're doing Nordic walking for fitness, you don't want a hiking boot. Hiking boots tend to be much more, well, it varies, I guess, these days, but they tend to be a little bit firmer along the arch and with a lot more support around the ankle. When you're doing Nordic walking for fitness, you want flexibility in the forefoot because you get this really active push-off and that enables you to activate all the legs in your, your all the muscles in your calves, your hamstrings and your glute, and your ankle needs to be flexible for that action. So you get a much more deliberate heel strike, roll through and push off the forefoot. If you're Nordic walking as a part of your hike, so for me, one of the huge benefits for me of Nordic walking when I'm hiking is my ankles are shot. I did years of cross-country running and I've rolled and strained and fractured my ankles too many more times that I want to remember. So I'm going to use a low boot for hiking because I want that stability around my ankles, but just with a little bit more flexibility on the forefoot so that when I am on a flat section of the trail, I can still use my Nordic walking technique and get that benefit of unloading through my feet. Okay. And what about anything else? Is there any other pieces of equipment you need or that, that's that's really about it? No, just the rest, just a you know, good good pair of poles, correct poles, and it's like any activity like that, you basically get what you pay for. So I've noticed some people are turning up with poles, sort of $50 poles from Aldi. It's not going to cut it. <laughs> um, and similarly with shoes, particularly for people with health issues or, or feet problems, decent shoes that are suited to their needs and do the job for Nordic walking. So, yeah, poles and shoes are it. So, so I, I was saying to someone the other day, I'm still using, and they say to me, well, how much are your poles? And like anything, there's a range of costs. You can get a reasonable pair of, a reasonable set of poles for like 150 bucks, or you can pay $300 for a set of poles that are carbon fibre, they're lightweight, they fold down into like 30 centimetres and I'm still using my, they were expensive then, $300 lecky poles from 10 years ago and they look pretty awful, they're pretty old and tattered but they are still doing the job. So I think a $300 investment that's kept me fit for 10 years is a pretty good investment. All right. So, yeah, so as you said, in other words, you're not using the hiking poles. You're, uh, uh, you're, uh, you're basically going through and using uh, uh, specific poles that are Nordic walking poles. Yeah. Uh, having said that, on a technical walk like the Larapinta Trail, I used what, what we call a hybrid pole. And it has, what it has, it has a, a handle like a hiking pole that gives you a much better grip that you're really going to depend on when you're pulling yourself up over rocks or you're stabilising yourself going down sleep, steep, slippery surfaces. But it still has a Nordic walking wrist strap so that when I'm on, this, on the flat, I can use a Nordic walking technique to move along. Okay. Now, um, I suppose, uh, you know, you made the comment about how funny you thought it looked when you first saw it. And I must admit, I I had exactly the same experience. Uh, and it was probably one of your groups, because this was around about six or seven years ago, uh, driving past. And so I saw these people using what I, I didn't know what they were at the stage, but they were doing Nordic walking. Um, What's the, the benefit of having lessons for doing Nordic walking? Can, you know, can people just pick up a pair of poles and go or is really that do, learning how to do it in a class a better option? 
I tried to do it on my own. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm a pretty fit, active, coordinated person and I couldn't do it. Look, anyone can pick up a pair of poles and have a go of it, but whether you're doing it well correctly, getting the maximum balance is another thing. It, it's actually a lot more technical than people appreciate to do, to do correctly to get the maximum benefits and to avoid in injuries. And we say to people, and they're surprised in the first lesson, it is a bit like, I don't know, learning to ride a bike or play golf or tennis. When you see someone doing it well who's experienced, it looks really easy. But, you know, when you pick up that golf club and have a go at it, 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 it doesn't happen. And, um, yeah, we're very keen on teaching people to do it really well. So when they finish the course with us, they're proficient. So we know they're getting maximum benefits and we know they're not going to get injuries. And we do see people around who think, yeah, I can do this. You just get the poles and you do it. So they grab a pair of poles. Often the poles aren't the right height. So they're risking doing damage to their shoulders. But because they're not using the poles correctly, what we basically say, we accuse them of taking their poles for a walk. They're basically just dragging the poles along behind them, but they're actually not engaging their upper body muscles and they're really not getting any benefits. So they've pretty much wasted their money and their time. Now, you, uh, you as I said, you're from Capital Nordic Walking and you, you run classes on a regular basis, I believe? Yeah, I... Um, I describe myself as an accidental businesswoman, Tim. I didn't ever plan to run a small business. When I came back to Canberra after working and living in Switzerland, friends and colleagues just kept asking me to teach them how to Nordic walk and it just got out of control. So I thought, I've got to make a decision here. I've got to either put a bit of structure around this or stop doing it. It was too big. But because I saw so many people getting so many benefits and so many people wanted to do it, I thought I'll give it a shot and see what happens. And to be honest, we, we can't keep up with the demand. And so we teach Nordic walking. We've, we've refined how we teach it over the years and we're continually improving how we teach it. But we've got it down to a three one-hour course. Because it's so technical, we teach it sequentially. So we try and get the first two lessons pretty close together because that's when we're trying to teach people the foundation. So you're learning new things in each session and you're building on your skills in each session. So we try and get you through the foundations in the first two sessions. At the end of that, we actually do a video analysis of your technique so we can slow it down, see what you're doing, what you've, what you've mastered and where you need to focus in your practice. And then we send you off for a week to practice and consolidate the foundations. And by doing that, it gives us a much better opportunity to teach you the more advanced aspects of the technique, the increased rear arm extension, the glute activation, and how to use the poles going up and down hills, which is a different technique from on the ground in that third and last session, and iron out any little issues you might have had along the way. And what we do with our courses is we insist that people don't get poles before they do the course. We want people to learn how to Nordic walk, experience the benefits and decide if Nordic walking is for them before they spend money on poles. And also there's a range of different poles, different cost points and different features 
And so you want to take time figuring out sort of what sort of poles you want. Do you want poles that fold? Do you want a fixed-length pole? Do you want a carbon fibre pole? Do you want an aluminium pole? So don't rush into it. Wait until you're sure. Wait until you're sure that you know what you want before you spend money on poles. Now, for those that live outside of Canberra, are there, are there Nordic walking um, uh, instructors around the country or are, are they... There absolutely are. Yep, in every state you'll find Nordic walking instructors. The two best websites to go on to find where there are Nordic walking instructors and groups near you are the Nordic Academy in Melbourne. So if you just look up Nordic Academy and then say find an instructor, I think you can put your postcode in and you'll see where there are instructors near you. They train instructors all around Australia and Nordic Walking Australia in Sydney. Now, Nordic Walking Australia is an arm of the International Nordic Walking Australia, and Hans Rang, who is the um, director of Nordic Walking Australia, is the vice president of the International Nordic Walking Australia. So they train coaches all around Australia as well, and similarly, they'll have a section on that website that says, put your postcode in and we'll tell you where there's some Nordic Walking instructors near you. Okay, that's good. So we've been talking with Kristen Pratt from Capital Nordic Walking about this unique walking practice. Kristen, thank you for taking your time. It's been a pleasure, Tim. Thank you so much. One of the things that sort of came to me as I was listening to that interview uh, was the comment that uh, Kristen made about how silly she thought it looked when she first saw it, which was my comment as well, and it wasn't wasn't uh, uh, wasn't reflected on what she'd said. It was just my thoughts, and I think I think for a lot of people, you see people Nordic walking, particularly when you're used to walking with tracking poles, and it's a very different sort of motion. Yes, you are moving your arms backwards and forwards, but tracking poles typically tend to be in front or equal with the body, whereas Nordic walking, the poles tend to be behind you. So I think you know the first time you do ever see this and you think, what the hell is that, is not an uncommon sort of response. Yeah, look, I, I find it – I found it really interesting in that um, – uh, it was much more involved than uh, I had imagined um, and the benefits were much greater than uh, I appreciated. And I, I probably never thought that it looked as silly as I think you thought it looked. Um, I did I did have this sense that there was a purpose to it and I did think it was connected with cross-country skiing and um, – you know, uh, probably something that I hadn't thought about giving it a go or tr- or trying it out, but definitely given uh, the benefits, uh, the all-body benefits, uh, and uh, with such a, you know, quite a low-impact uh, sort of exercise, uh, that's probably the thing that surprised me most. One of the things I mentioned, you know, the first time I'd seen this was uh, I was in a car driving past when I first came across this, and I still see the same group or groups uh, walking uh, when the time I head out in the morning. And I think I think the thing for me is, you know, when you do see older people, uh, and when I do say older people, I'm talking about people in their 70s oh, and 80s not doing Not people this. our age. Not people <laughs> our age, no. Uh, that, uh, that, you know, you've got – 
um, you are walking on four legs. You've got your your own legs and you've got the two additional legs, which are the poles. And, you know, that's often an issue with people as you age is your stability uh, tends to go a bit. Yeah. And, and having the poles does tend to provide that extra bit of surety and stability on the ground. But I think also, I mean, Kristen was saying that um, it's also about balance as well and uh, the power of propelling yourself along so the strength that you get um, from the activity uh, and and that's something that you know as you get older you need to try harder and harder and harder uh, to maintain that strength because it does uh, whittle away if you don't uh, keep an eye on it. As Kristen mentioned while this was originally created to allow uh, Nordic skiers an opportunity to keep fit and do things during summertime to maintain that level of fitness rather than going through a period of months of not doing anything. This pretty much does simulate uh, uh, cross-country skiing with the action with the poles. So while it was generated or created uh, as a means to maintain fitness for uh, cross-country skiers, it, it has also now become an exercise within itself. So even in Australia where, yes, we do have ski fields, but they're in a fairly small sort of area. So you may never get out to the snowy mountains and go skiing, um, but this is an opportunity to go through and and simulate that motion uh, and also to not just use your legs when you're walking, but also use your upper body. Yeah, that's right. It was. It took me back to uh, watching the Winter Olympics and uh, was watching some cross-country skiers who were – in in a race and it was just like that is the hardest thing in the world to to do and you know they were putting a lot of effort into it and uh yeah so you know if this is this is sort of something that that they possibly have done uh during the off season that's uh you know you can get quite a bit of power and quite a great amount of fitness out of this as Christian mentioned, she also does do hiking and where possible, the, the motion she is using is the Nordic walking motion. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing with tracking poles. When I'm walking along flat ground, uh, I still tend to use my hiking poles, but it's more a habit than anything else. I mean, where, where for me, my benefit for tracking poles tends to be uh, on uphill. I put more effort into my arms to help pull me up the hill. For downhill, it's to take a lot of pressure off the knees. But certainly from a point of view of walking on flat ground, it's more about the habit and keeping into the motion. Whereas with Nordic walking, uh, if you want to put the effort and the exertion in, uh, it's like anything, you go running, you run a bit faster, or you put a bit more effort in, you move a bit faster. And Nordic walking is the same. You can go as light on with the effort as you want, uh, or you can put as much exertion into it, depending on what sort of level of fitness you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and when you watch, um, you know, if you are doing it for exercise and when you watch people uh, doing it, they can motor along quite, you know, uh, quickly. Um, And, you know, usually when we're going for a walk, we probably don't walk that fast. But, you know, when you've got the action going, they, they do move pretty quickly. I must admit, I mean, if you have a look at the show notes for this podcast... The cover image is, is actually of uh, a, uh, a fairly experienced Nordic walker and it just amazes me. You know, they look 
very fit and very uh, very upright and very uh, you know, this this is an older person, but by no means do they look old. They they look extremely powerful and uh, and uh, and 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 very purposeful in their stride. Yeah, I think that's just testament to the you know the full body uh, fitness. Uh, strength um, and uh, balance that you get out of the activity, which uh, I, yeah, I think that that's uh, a really nice um, surprise for me. As Kristen mentioned, there are a a number of instructors all the way around Australia and for that matter overseas. I think Australia is still relatively new to Nordic walking compared to particularly, say, Europe. Uh, So it it seems to be that as long as you're in one of the large capital cities, you will come across a Nordic walking group. And it's worthwhile uh, either having a try or doing some lessons to see if this is something that may be of use to you. And I think it potentially does have benefits in hike with hiking as well. Even if you don't use the Nordic walking poles and method for hiking, it's certainly helping you to build up fitness, particularly that upper body fitness that we, do, we often don't tend to get when we hike that will assist you in your hiking. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a it's another way. We're always looking for ways to uh, accelerate our fitness and, and build our strength. And uh, I think this is another way of doing that and, you know, perhaps another dimension to add to the walking that you might do already. All right. So we hope you've enjoyed this introduction to Nordic walking. As mentioned, if you go onto our website, you'll find links to Capital Nordic Walking here in Canberra, but also the the recommendations that uh, Kristen made for Sydney and Melbourne. And again, uh, I'm sure if you go to either one of those, you'll also find links to uh, other cities around Australia uh, or in your own hometown where you can find out more about it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. When one of our followers suggested we look further into Nordic walking, I decided it was time to touch base with the Canberra Norkit. When one of our followers suggested we look further into Nordic walking, I decided it was time to touch base with the Canberra Norkit. When one of our followers suggested we.